Record with Furniture Today, a podcast that goes behind the headlines to look at the news and the newsmakers, the people and the personalities that give the furniture industry its unique flavor. I'm your host, Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today. Hi, I'm Trisha Yearwood, and you're tuned to Furniture Today's On the Record podcast with Bill McLaughlin. Before we turn to Bill and his guests, I just want to give a shout out to the entire Furniture Today team and remind you that when there's something exciting to announce, you'll read about it first in Furniture Today. And now, here's Bill McLaughlin and On the Record. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Homefront um, segment of um, the On the Record podcast for Furniture Today. Um, I'm Powell Slaughter, Senior Editor, and uh, with me is um, Tom Russell, my fellow Senior Editor. And we have a special guest today, um, Rachel Shames, Director of Pricing and Procurement at Logistics Services Provider and Freight Forwarder CV International is joining us to talk about something that's on everybody's minds these days. Um, the What's been a pretty volatile situation for um, ocean freight, um, congestion here at ports at home, and how that's impacting the delivery of goods um, you know, during a period of very high demand. Uh, we're also going to talk some about what, what, how this could play out in, in the coming months and what's going to impact that. Yeah, Pal, it's interesting. You and I have been talking to folks in the industry, um, you know, both in person and pre-market recently, and just conversations about the issue, um, capacity issues, container shortages, availability containers, and the effect some of that has had on the industry. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic. Well, we're real glad to have Rachel on board for this edition. Um, she follows this constantly. Um, she put, puts out a, a about bi-weekly update on what's going on in the situation. So, um, Rachel, thanks a lot for joining us today. Um, we appreciate you taking some time to talk. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, let's see. We talked a few weeks ago about um, the situation with ocean transport, the spike in surcharges, um, lack of availability of containers. Um, let's see. You um, were kind enough to share your latest report. And it looks like the situation is stabilizing a little bit. Um, what, what's going on right now? Yeah, it, um, the situation feels a little more stable right now, although it's probably because we've had, you know, several months of, you know, near chaos um, rates increasing, uh, you know, regularly, biweekly, um, even more frequently, sometimes on a vessel-by-vessel basis, depending on um, the particular service and the particular port of load. Um, equipment availability, all the different factors that are playing in. Uh, rates, spot rates, you know, market rates, which is just what most of the freight um, in, the, in the ocean market out of Asia is moving on right now, is, they've been the same for close to a month or so. Um, that, that's why we feel a little more stable right now. Um, we're not getting the, the constant increases um, that we saw throughout the summer and into September. Um, there are a few different reasons for that, of course. Um, rates are just astronomically high. Um, they've risen so fast uh, that, yeah, I, I think in general, the industry just, it was time to take a breath and maybe take a step back. Um, we also know that the Chinese government stepped in and had some conversations with carriers in September, um, really encouraging them to take a more, a more stable approach 
pull back a little on the increases, get, you know, make sure they're getting more capacity into the market, not announcing as many blank sailings as, as they had planned for the Golden Week holiday. Uh, so we're, we're at a little bit of a plateau, but it doesn't mean that, that uh, rates are dropping or that um, volume's down. Um, it's the opposite. We're just, we're just at, a, at a point where, where things are stable, but very expensive to move freight still. So we're looking at a little more stable, but still extremely high. Yes, exactly. A little you more know, predictable, though. Rachel, I've been kind of curious. You know, we, we've heard about like peak season surcharges, you know, at this busy time of the year and kind of the, the, the second half or the last towards the last quarter. What, what has been different this year um, from that typical scenario? Well, uh, so many things are different. Obviously, we're, you know, we're, we're in this um, pandemic situation that, that you know, no, certainly no one alive has ever experienced. This industry has never experienced. Right. Um, and uh, a, a, a few things, really. Uh, carriers have been, you know, tweaking capacity for a few years. They've they started implementing these, these blank sailings where, where they simply cancel and pull back capacity as needed based on forecasts and, and um, how, you know, how vessels are loading. Um, this year, they really fine-tuned that approach, and it, it happened to coincide with this, you know, highly unpredictable market. Um, we, you know, we all know what happened early in the year. Um, by February, March, you know, importers in the U.S. Were, were pulling back orders. We had shutdowns across the country. Uh, there was, for sure, a lot of uncertainty, but, uh, you know, there was a lot of pessimism about, about where things were going. We were, we were plunged very quickly into a recession. Um, and the outlook was very poor. Um, so importers, you know, pulled back orders tremendously. Then by May and June, when U.S. consumers started to get out more, they really started to spend. Um, and, you know, of course, there, there are certain verticals, including furniture, that have done very well since then. Um, but inventory levels at the beginning of, of that reopening were very low. And a lot of retailers missed out um, on opportunities because of that. And so ever since, it's just been just been a constant um, ramping up of volume and inventory, um, and frankly, the demand. It's it's there. I mean, you know, uh, most of it's it's uh, playing out online. You know, e-commerce is huge, um, but across the different verticals, uh, furniture. You know, the type the types of things that people are using and enjoying while they're home, um, and of course, they're. You know, they have extra funds because they're not going out. They're not spending on services. They're not going on uh, airplanes for vacations, they're not going out to concerts, um, dinners, that kind of thing. So there's uh, definitely a lot more money being spent on, on goods right now as opposed to services. Yeah, uh, Rachel, we're hearing a lot about price increases for product. A lot of that has to do with the actual inputs, the foams, the... Um, plywood, the materials that go into the goods, also increased labor costs as these manufacturers are trying to hold on to more people. These surcharges uh, that we, we're seeing, these huge surcharges, it, a lot of vendors are factoring that in as kind of a temporary cost. However, is at, with, with the levels that um, these surcharges are at right now, how do you see contract season playing out? Is there anything you can say about, you know, maybe some more permanent um, pricing factors for ocean shipping um, as, as, as um, shippers start signing contracts? 
Yeah, um, the, the question of contracts is is very tricky. Um, you know, we're we're roughly six months removed. You know, a little less maybe from um, from contract season uh, at this point. But you know, we we saw it all play out. Um, contracts were signed, and within a month or two, rates were rates were rising, and carriers were going back to shippers who had just signed contracts of all sizes, um, low volume, high volume, everything, and asking for more money. And that's just been you know the, the cycle we've been in um, since May June. Um, I, I think the whole industry is looking for some stability there too. Uh, you know, everybody's questioning the point of contracts at all right now. Um, if you know that you can sign for a certain amount at a certain level, and when you're trying to ship it, you, you just simply can't get the space at the agreed upon terms. That's frustrating um, across the board. Uh, you know, we're still pretty far removed from, from relatively speaking, from the next contract season. Um, we've got almost half a year before the majority of these contracts will be finalized. Um, but I think this year has been, you know, it's been a learning experience. Um, you know, it, we don't know where the market's going to go. There are so many different factors. Um, we could absolutely see, you know, another roller coaster between now and then. Um, you yeah, know, hopefully, hopefully um, it's nothing, uh, nothing dramatic. But in terms of volume, you know, if, if the recession starts to hit more and, and demand for, for furniture and, you know, the variety of other goods coming in um, deep declines, um, then we could absolutely, you know, be in a different, a different market. The market could shift back potentially to a more seller's market or more of a, more of a balanced market, I suppose, um, back to a buyer's market. Um, right now, we're really in the, you know, seller's market from the carrier perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a couple of shippers tell me they just don't see the, they talk about contracts and they say, what's the point right now? Yeah, it, it feels like that. Um, and uh, everybody's talking about it because um, you really do. You, you just, you, you throw the terms out the window because if you can't get space, what's the, what, what, is, what good is a rate, you know, and, and you put all this effort into negotiating and it's, um, it's it's tough. You've got to explain it to your customers or or to your own company. You know, if you're a BCO and you're you're making those decisions, you know, why is my freight now twice what we anticipated it being uh, six months ago? Um, and of course, for furniture, uh, that's that's huge. I mean, we we know that shipping costs are a huge percentage of their total overall um, cost of goods sold. So you know, when you double it, which effectively is what's happening um, on East Coast rates, West Coast, honestly, more more than double. Um, you've, you know, that's, that's a tough situation and it's, uh, it's tough to explain. Um, but of course anything could happen between now and then. I mean, I, at this, at this point where the economy is, where the demand is, um, you know, the expectation is that the market's going to be strong through the end of the year and probably through Chinese new year, um, which is early, early February. So, uh, if that holds, um, and, uh, you know, we, we keep seeing these these tremendous volumes moving in. Um, then we could still be looking at a contract season that's, uh, you know, where the carriers have the upper hand again. Um, but, that, you know, I, I think there have to be, a, there's really got to be um, a, a, better, a better process for building in some of these surcharges. Um, you know, car carriers have a variety of, of names for them. Peak season, rate recovery surcharge, uh, C priority, premium. Um, any, you name it. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be on everybody's mind. I'd be curious, Rachel. Um, you know, we know that there, uh, as, as you alluded to there, the demand for furniture has come back sort of with, you know, with a vengeance in a sense, it's been very, 
very strong, very good for the industry. I know some folks have been caught flat-footed. They don't have the inventory or the product available as quickly as most of the retailers want it and consumers too. But I'm curious, you know, when we're talking about the capacity issues, what what is also in high demand, particularly from Asia? We were talking about durable goods here, but um, you know, is it household appliances that has taken up space on containers, automotive? I mean, what what are we seeing largely competing with the furniture at this point in time? Right now, um, it's 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 anything related to home improvement. Um, so so you know, appliances are part of that. Um, at, you know, at anything you could buy at a Home Depot or a Lowe's. I mean, we we all saw the lines when when the lockdown started outside those stores, um, and that's continued. You know, everybody's got a lot more time on their hands. Um, they're not spending time doing doing some of the normal things they do um, in these last few months. So they're getting to their lists and, and trying to fix things up, um, things for their you know outdoor. Outdoor activities, outdoor um, sporting equipment, um, all kinds of things, you know, whether you're looking at something, some kind of new gear for hiking or kayaking. I mean, any kind of any kind of sporting good uh, for sure. Um, You know, anything you can do outside and social distance. Um, Toys, in fact, are even up. I mean, everybody's spending just, you know, more time at home. So toys, office, office equipment, really home office equipment, Um, home office furniture, of course. Furniture is a component of, of, of that as well, but, you know, the technology and, and um, you know, all, all the little things that we use to help us um, look better on Zoom and uh, have a professional setup in our homes. Um, those kinds of goods are, are definitely up. And, I mean, you mentioned the auto industry. They're doing very well. Um, they've had a tremendous few months. Uh, uh, they, they can't keep enough inventory either. So that's absolutely a part of it. Yeah, we're still seeing. We're it's funny that we're still seeing a lot of empty shelves in certain parts of the store. So it's um, yes, it's there's, def- there's definitely still a struggle to keep to keep inventory in. I mean, just as as consumers like you and me, we, we can see that impact um, when we walk into stores. Um, yes. Well, um, another thing that um, and we didn't really get too deep into this on some of the coverage we've done earlier, but. Um, closer to home, there's a real problem getting goods in and out of ports. Um, um, chassis, you know, chassis shortages, people holding on the empty containers, um, rising truck lights, rates. Um, can can you talk about what's going on there and how that might how that might play out over the next few months, Rachel? Sure. Uh, so, you know, uh, co- coinciding with with this tremendous volume um, surge we've had, um, and you know, it's 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 really a ton of volume, not just compared to where we thought we would be um, at the start of the pandemic, but even year over year, uh, there's just a huge amount of containers and goods coming in. Um, the ports are overwhelmed. Really, uh, started on the west coast uh, for sure. You know, LA and Long Beach, and continuing up the west coast, Seattle and Oakland and uh, Vancouver's having some tremendous issues there with congestion. Um, we're seeing it on the on the east coast as well. Um, New York and Norfolk, I mean, really, really all of the major ports. Um, uh, there are delays with vessel berthing. It, you know, there's simply so much cargo coming in that it's taking it's taking a longer time to unload, to work the vessels, um, to get the boxes on and off. Uh, so you're seeing delays starting with getting the vessel into berth, and then operational delays on terminal, moving containers around, getting them out. Um, we have truckers waiting in line um, on the west coast, especially if, if we've uh, we've been. Uh, 
speaking with, with truckers there and they are, some of these trucks are, are waiting in line 10, 20 hours at a time, just waiting to pick up one load, you know, where they may have been able to do three or four loads in a day, um, or at least two or three out there. They're, they're spending their entire day waiting to pick up one. Um, that's just putting tremendous pressure on everyone. There are huge costs associated with it that get passed down, of course, to the importer. Um, less power in general. Um, just being able to find a truck is very hard. It's not, uh, I can pick up the phone and get somebody there the day after tomorrow um, or the next day even. Um, you're, you know, you're going to be looking a week, two weeks out um, at this point, and, and that could get worse. Um, at this point, we've had so much volume being booked in the last couple of months that it probably will get worse before it gets better uh, through the end of the year. I don't see it improving. Um, warehouses are, it's, it's the same situation. They are, they're over capacity. Um, there's just not a lot of room to, to store the cargo. Uh, it is very interesting because we see empty shelves on the one hand. And then on the other hand, um, there's just so much cargo that simply can't get out of the, the port network. Um, because the trucker, the, the, you know, trucker capacity is, is very tough. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, depending on the angle you're looking at, it's, it's a very interesting full picture, but um, it's, it's very challenging for importers right now. Chassis shortages, for sure. Um, you know, the port, port chat where they have um, pools, uh, like on the East Coast, um, trucker-owned chassis. I mean, the, there's just, there's way more demand than there is equipment. And uh, that's, we're, we're feeling it across the board. More costs, that adds, you know, you're already paying double on a container rate you start adding these extra charges at destination for wait time at the terminal, um, you know, just in, in having your cargo sit if it has to, hopefully not, but potential per diem charges, can't get, out, can't get it out in time. Um, so it's becoming very expensive, problematic. Well, that was something, wasn't it? This is Trisha again for Klausner Home Furnishings. From my very first collection, I knew I'd come to the right place, that Klausner understood what I wanted to do with my furniture, how I wanted to share my recipe for comfortable living with the world. Now let's get back to Bill McLaughlin and see what he and his guests have to share with us. Do you think there might be any kind of maybe some catch up or a little bit of relief after Chinese New Year? Um, when That's hopefully, you know, that, that, tends, that tends to be the quieter time of year. Um, so if we follow, you know, if we're looking at the how how um, supply and demand usually flows, we would expect that you know if if we hold on through Chinese New Year, you know, keep the volume moving. If the demand stays strong, typically after Chinese New Year in the springtime, it, it softens a little bit. Um, but uh, we're we're just in such a you know of unpredictable situation with the pandemic. Um, and, you know, the, the recession that we're in, but we aren't really, you know, some of the verticals that are doing very well aren't really feeling right now. Um, it's just, uh, it, it's hard to say. Um, and there are a lot of things that can happen. I mean, of course, we're looking towards all of the, the geopolitical factors. Um, we have the election coming up. Yeah. We, we certainly still have trade tensions um, with China um, and, and beyond um, out of, the, out of South, Southeast Asia region. Um, there, you know, there, there are a lot of, there are a lot of factors that, that could change, that could shift the situation one way or another. Um, not to look terribly far ahead, but something else that our industry is talking about, this probably has more impact specifically on air freight, but it, it will have um, an impact on the ground when we start looking at warehousing and, and truck capacity is this COVID vaccine 
um, whenever it comes. And that's a big question is, is absolutely, I mean, it's going to impact distribution across the world and we'll feel it here um, wherever it starts getting distributed. Yeah, I'm thinking demand might be fairly high for that. Yeah, you would think, right? <laughs> yeah, that that's going to be the priority. I mean, we we saw in the spring the PPE, the PPE, all the protective mm -hmm. equipment, um, just you know, I mean, air freight rates skyrocketed, and we're seeing that impact the market as well. We didn't mention that when we talked about ocean ocean cargo, but I mean, there's still a tremendous amount of PPE coming out of Asia as well in containers now. Um, but we we are going to see, you know, just the same way the air freight market just went off the charts in the spring. We're going to see a similar um, a similar effect when when the vaccine rolls out. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people like to air freight in their their market samples too yes. about that time. So mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, so that 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 could be an issue for sure. I mean, there's some discussion of of the uh, the vaccine potentially rolling out in certain parts of the world even before Chinese New Year. And, you know, if that happens, it's just it's going to compound all of the all the capacity issues we're seeing now. Um, Thank you. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, um, particularly as brick and mortar stores compete more directly with e-commerce. You know, we saw a huge spike in e-commerce. You know, most you know, companies that were dealing with the shutdown of retail had a pretty healthy e-commerce business. I think that probably was the same on the upholstery side as well, pal, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking that I'm curious how they're positioned, you know, versus our traditional brick and mortar from, uh, from this capacity issue, because it seems like, you know, they obviously have a lot of buying power. Um, and have a huge amount of product selection on their websites. Now, I don't know to what degree a lot of that stuff is available or, you know, you have to wait for, but it seems like this capacity issue could, you know, um, boost, bolster the dynamic between e-commerce and brick and mortar uh, down the road as they compete for the same capacity that we're talking about. That's a very good point. Um, and, you know, with e-commerce, warehousing is even more, you know, it's obviously just a, a huge part. I mean, you don't even have that, that situation where cargo makes it to a shelf somewhere. Um, so, so absolutely. Um, it's it's going to be very interesting. And, uh, you know, I think even the timing of, of uh, how how the American public and when the American public starts going out in, you know, in even bigger numbers, um, you know, maybe maybe craving a desire to shop in person. Um, I, I don't know that we'll see a shift back. I mean, it's a very interesting question. Um, E-commerce is obviously not going anywhere, but will we see, you know, brick and mortar become, you know, at least a little healthier than it is now? Um, this, this is a really, really big question. I mean, the good, the good news is that while carriers, you know, at, at the beginning of the pandemic, at the beginning of this year, probably pulled back too much capacity, um, because of the, the low forecasts um, and, and the poor outlook, uh, they, they're, they're putting it back in for sure. Um, they, you, there's really more capacity out than there was even a year ago at this time. Um, you know, it probably hasn't come on soon enough. Right? Obviously, I think importers would have preferred that there was more capacity put on throughout the summer um, faster, but uh, it's out there. They're, they're adding extra loaders. You know, they're, they're reinstating services that they, you know, were previously blanked. Um, 
so you know, heading in that direction. And and these these carriers have new new ships on order. Um, there are a lot that that are expecting new deliveries over the next year. Um, and you know, in a in a market where um, volume was not volume and demand is not so great, that that wouldn't be particularly good news for the carriers. That's what they've been struggling with for the last decade or so. It's too much capacity and vessels that are too big. But for right now, that'll be wel- you know, welcome news, I think, um, depending on how long the demand lasts. All right. Well, um, Rachel, uh, for the last few minutes here, um, I want to touch on something else here. Um, obviously, the cost of moving goods on the ocean, on land, is very high right now. The timing, um, the, the time factor is, is very long and extended. What should retailers and um, other shippers be doing right now to one, maybe mitigate some of the costs if that's possible, and two, maybe even more important right now, keep their goods flowing? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're uh, obviously equally important, of course. Um, long, longer term, I know this is difficult in the short term, but forecasting is, is only going to become more and more important. Um, you know, carriers are relying on it. You know, now they're, they're closely watching capacity and really trying to better match capacity to demand. Um, you know, better, better forecasting uh, internally is, is going to benefit everyone. Um, in, in, the short, in the shorter term, um, you know, it, as painful as it is, it really is a, a pay-to-play situation. Um, if you've got cargo that's a little more flexible that you you know you need to get out, but uh, does not necessarily have to make a specific vessel, maybe you could maybe you've got a week or two to play with. Um, you you know you, there are options. Um, some we do still have some carriers who are accepting cargo at, at rates closer to their long-term fixed contract rates, but um, you, you run the risk of it getting rolled um, and you know losing a couple of weeks in the process. Uh, but we do have shippers who are a little more flexible on that front. Um, so looking at all those options uh, is is definitely helpful. Um, you know, it's uh, from from I, I know generally from a retail perspective, uh, we're seeing the industry do some very interesting uh, things to to counteract the the high shipping costs. I know that you know the big box retailers, for example, are putting out uh, sales really their holiday, their Black Friday sales even earlier. They're they're really starting now. Um, I mean, they, you know, they, they want the sales volume. I mean, they, they know they're going to have these, they have already these huge transportation costs and they certainly don't want to be left sitting with too much inventory after all of this, after having spent so much to get it here. Um, so uh, we'll see, we'll see that through the end of the year. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, you know, really, really taking a look at how urgent your cargo is, all the options and, uh, uh, making sure, I mean, just just simple simple things that we should all be doing anyway, but making sure you get your truck power booked early. Um, making yourself, you know, that's another thing that's happening with the truck market in general. Since the capacity is so tight, we're almost looking at this, uh, the shipper of choice um, approach where, where truckers can, can uh, have the ability to really pick and choose which freight they want to carry. So anything you can do to make to make your, you know, your business more attractive to, to whichever provider that you're working with is going to help you in the long run. It's going to help you avoid extra costs once it gets here. Um, getting everything booked early, um, you know, prioritizing what really needs to come in, and uh, if it can wait, but you know, try, try to let it wait. It's it's tough now. I know with uh, with a lot of this, everything is urgent, and 
it's, it's hard to pick and choose. Yeah, um, and people have different different schedules for their product flow, um, you know, different models. But how much further out would you say people should be looking at booking? You mentioned the importance of forecasting. Um, you know, you know, if if I'm if I'm used to booking a booking a container for a shipment um, two weeks out, um, you know, how how much further should I look? We're, we're advising our, our customers to book at least a month ahead. Um, earlier, if you can, I mean, you know, in, in the past, and in some cases, it's, it's still an issue. Carriers won't necessarily even open up a vessel for booking much earlier than that. But, um, you know, even at a month out, we're, we're seeing these vessels pretty full. Uh, as soon as they open up for booking, they're, they're really pretty booked. Um, you can sometimes, you know, push, push something through. That's, that's where some of these premium charges come in. You know, that's where some of the negotiation and the relationships with, with your carriers, your NVOs, um, or the carriers, if you're working directly, the, uh, the VOCCs, if you're working directly as a, as a BCO. Um, but, uh, you know, as soon as they open up for booking, which honestly, um, a month or more, I mean, I would say, you know, four to five weeks out, um, you've definitely got to push up. Two weeks is not enough time. Two weeks is a very short window nowadays. Well, um, Rachel, we're, we're getting close to time here. Is there, are there any other thoughts that you'd like to share or any other like quick tips for people who are looking to get some goods into their warehouses and under their floors? Yeah, I think that, you know, uh, ha- having, having options. Um, this year, we've really seen relationships become um, even more important. They were already very crucial, but uh, from, from where we're sitting, we, we can see that they help tremendously. Um, when you have a long-term relationship, you've got a partnership, whether it's with your trucker or your steamship line or your, your NVOCC, your forwarder, um, you know, somebody who knows your freight, somebody who knows the regularity of it, uh, somebody who is uh, a good partner to you back um, is, th- those will help. I mean, th- those relationships really um, are invaluable during a time like this. Um, we, we see it even even through our relationships with the steamship lines, you know, a piece of business that's, that's been consistent, that we've been moving with that steamship line for, for a few years at least, um, is, is we're seeing the outcomes be a little bit better. You know, the, the rate increases come a little later. Um, you know, you, you get the benefit of, of uh, that partnership. Um, so, you know, just keeping those relationships strong, um, having in your back pocket a couple extra options. NBOs are great for that, of course. Because we have a variety of relationships, you know, with all the steamship lines, more truckers, you know, um, at our disposal uh, quickly. So, you know, just uh, just keeping keeping eyes open. That that shipper of choice, um, I, I really like that term. But it, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, for, for all of your service providers, whether it's your trucker or your NBO or steamship line. I mean, just being a good partner back. Um, you know, even as the customer in that relationship is uh, is good. You know, we we want to we want to keep partnerships that, that last a long time and that um, work both ways. So. Very good. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Rachel, for joining us this week. Uh, you had some great insights for our, our listeners, and uh, I know they're going to get a lot out of this. Great. Thank you for taking your time to, to be on the home front with Powell Slaughter and myself this week. Thank you so much, Thomas and Powell. This is this has been great. Thanks so much. Yeah, and thanks for listening, everybody. We'll we'll see you uh, the next time.
Take care.